Welcome to Growth Con, Australia's B2B growth podcast. I'm Alex Hipwell. Each episode, we bring you B2B founders, CMOs, marketing and sales leaders to find out what makes them successful and what was behind their failures. Let's dive right into today's episode. Here's Shaheen Hoda. Today, we're talking about the do's and don'ts of landing enterprise deals, how you should approach it and what you should be doing, both from sales and marketing perspective. Before we do that, I'm going to quickly introduce our panelists. So we have Greg Anderson, VP of Sales APAC at Tech Target. If you're new to the B2B enterprise space, Tech Target helps B2B companies identify influence and engage active buyers in the technology market using intent data. Now, Greg runs the entire sales operation for uh, the APAC region, which includes India, Singapore, and ANZ. So uh, we have a lot to gain today. Second panelist uh, is uh, Omar Malad, CEO and co-founder of Vervu, a SaaS platform that pretty much replaces the traditional hiring process with skill assessment and allowing candidates to be evaluated on job-related tasks rather than just a piece of paper being your CV. Now, not only do these guys have, have the backing of, of some big names like Seek and, and Russell and Kogan, but they've also landed some big clients from people like companies like MYOB, Ospos, Walmart, the biggest, I think they're still the biggest employer in the US. So uh, so they there's there's plenty of insight there. Really excited to talk from the perspective of a, of a um, young company to uh, to talk about enterprise. And last but not least, we have Lubitsar Radojic, marketing director of APAC for Hexagon, a software solution provider for visualizing, building and managing safe and efficient smart digital asset. She's also writing the book on revenue marketing engines. Now, this is not just you know one of those books that experts go and self-publish on Amazon. This is battle-tested, peer-reviewed stuff. So uh, we're very grateful for having her here today. On that note, let's dive in. Amr, let's start with yourself. Let's start with in your opinion, you know, what is what is the difference? How is marketing to enterprise different compared to marketing to SMB? Okay, I, I think there are three main differences and they all have to do with people, um, user, risk and money. So the first is when you're selling to a small business, the person you sell to is using the product that you sell to them. When you're selling to a very big company, the person that you sell to is almost certainly not using it. And so once you convince them, there's 50 other people that haven't heard of you that now use the product and that can work for or against you. Um, they might be fans, but the buyer doesn't know about you or they might not know about you and someone's bought software on their behalf. That's the first thing. The second thing is risk. And what I mean, about, what I mean by risk is the, the appetite. So if you're a, a small business owner, you're focused on growing and you're prepared to take risk. You want to do things to grow your business. If you're an executive at a big company, you don't want to get fired. You don't want to get embarrassed. So your mindset is how to reduce risk. So you don't want to go out on a limb. You just want to make sure that you're not going to make the wrong decision. So it's a very different mindset. Um, And the third thing is money. And I'm not talking about the amount of money, but it's about who pays. When you're selling to a small business, the money is a very personal thing. It comes from the owner of the business or even if it's a startup that's venture-backed, you feel very close to the amount of money that you're spending. 
at a big company, you don't even know who's spending. It, it's not your money. It's the company's money. It's finance. It's some other department. It's in some budget that's far away. You're not thinking about it. That doesn't mean it's easy to get them to pay, but they think about money in a very different way, in a less personal way. And so when we're selling to big companies and small companies, they're the three main differences that we see in the psychology. And Lubitsa, what about, what about you? What do you think? I mean, I know you're a very big advocate of, you know, when we're talking enterprise, we always say you got to know your customer, right? Yep. Right. The KYC. But when we're talking about enterprise, it becomes even more important than usual, right? Is, is, is that the case? And what are your thoughts on that? Oh, totally. I think from a, with a marketing perspective, selling into enterprises, yeah, totally different because um, the sale is really based on value selling and outcome-based selling. So you are selling business transformation um, and change for the business. And um, I think Zomer said, yeah, definitely it's a, a complex buying committees. It's a longer sales cycle. Um, at the foundation for that is a, a much str- more strategic approach from a marketing perspective. So to me, enterprise sales is really synonymous with account-based marketing um, and that strategic approach. So at the core of that is, as you said, really KYC knowing your customer, but that goes even beyond just knowing your customer to actually being aligned around, well, what does that ideal customer profile look like? And that goes even beyond personas to really identifying and say, well, what does the company size look like? The revenue employees, what is their tech stack? How much are they? Uh, when it comes to specific process areas um, relating to, for, for example, solutions um, that a company offers, how do they manage those processes? How do they buy? How are decisions being made? And so using all of that intelligence to really build up the ideal customer profile um, and then really take that insight to then identify, well, okay, well, what does this market look like that we're going after? Because when you're selling enterprise, the market all of a sudden becomes very, uh, very narrowed down um, and it becomes very, uh, very well defined. Um, and using those insights around the ideal customer profile to then build and align your sales, your marketing, your business development strategy. So, um, so yeah, there's a lot more kind of strategic thinking and insight that needs to be put into developing uh, really a sales and marketing approach to enterprise sales. Yeah, and we're definitely going to talk about that a lot more. Um, and uh, and I think the the key term over there was was getting a lot more defined, a lot more granular. Um, where when you get when you define your ICP, it becomes really narrow in the sense that it could be a couple hundred even co- co- companies rather than the exactly. SMB that, that there are you know thousands of thousands. Greg, what are your thoughts in terms of like especially in the early days when you're defining the ICP and, and you're trying to communicate and make uh, make marketing understand because enterprise and marketing or selling to enterprise traditionally has been very sales focused, right? And it's really been in the recent, you know, maybe decade or so that marketing has started to come, come into the enterprise space. But one of the challenges that marketing has is, is understanding the customer because sales is on the front line, dealing with customers all the time. What are your thoughts in terms of building ICPs and ideal customer profiles and helping marketing get a better picture of, uh, of, of the customer? Yeah, I think it, it's a really important question to understand the difference between sales and marketing when it comes to the enterprises. Um, to your point, sales has been on the front line, so to speak, but you know, I would argue that sales is really you know, taking that last you know, 20 to 30% of the buyer's journey with those customers and marketing has always led them 
for that first, you know, 60, 70% of that journey. So I think marketing and sales needs to very much be on the same page in terms of the customers that they're going after, um, who are the users, who are the influencers, who are the buyers, who are the approvers, and to be smart about surrounding them. And I think there needs to be somewhat of a breakdown in the stereotype that marketing needs to go and source a lot of things and bring that to sales. Um, you know, if you look at any of the Gartner studies or anything about B2B buying, the cycles are very long. Um, they're very complicated. They're not linear. And traditionally, people have thought that marketing owns that first, you know, two thirds of it. So I think marketing owns the whole buyer's journey, but so does sales. And I think they need to start out with identifying the right accounts uh, and identifying the right messaging where, um, you know, I'd almost argue that sales needs to become more like marketers and how they approach accounts. You know, that first portion being, you know, you need to inform and advise buying teams, which is what marketing has always done with collateral, with best practices information. You know, you show the brand, but you show how the brand can add value when you show, um, you know, unique best practices within the space where your solution can come in and help, but not in such a sales focused um, that's what sales needs to do at the same time. So I think, you know, making sure that marketing and sales are sitting down at the very least on a quarterly basis, ideally on a monthly basis, identifying customers, talking about objections that you're coming into, um, identifying um, key value props that marketing is putting into collateral, but then sales is then having to articulate throughout the process. Um, and then just revisiting that over and over. So, you know, they should really act yeah. as one unit and not two units that approach two different sections of the buy cycle. Yeah, sales and marketing alignment. I mean, that's that's a hot topic. But, Amr, Vervu sells both to SMB and enterprise, if, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, right? right? And and in the SMB space, the whole concept of lead generation and demand, demand generation and demand gen and all that is pretty strong um, and, and it's heavily relied on. Uh, do you see there's the same reliance when it comes to enterprise on, on lead gen and kind of demand gen activities or, or is it different? I mean, there's some overlap and that overlaps probably um, Google and word of mouth. So people, regardless of company size, they talk when, when there's something that that they get value from and everybody searches for solutions on Google. Um, but generally speaking, the lead sources are different and one of them is a volume game. And the other one is, you know, you can get one customer in a quarter or in a month and that'll make a massive change. So, so, you know, um, a conference, for example, you go to a conference, you can get a customer that will pay you a quarter of a million or half a million dollars um, but you'll not meet, you know, small businesses at a conference. They don't go there and they probably don't read blogs and they don't do a lot of other things that, that big companies do. And there are a lot of big companies you can't get into unless you have a warm introduction. And so for some of these things, you need field sales and field marketing um, and you can't play the volume game. And so I think the go-to-market approach is very different. One is about having lots and lots of tentacles um, casting a wide net and the other one's about being um, very targeted um, and it was mentioned earlier around um, account-based marketing you know with, with a with with a, a sale with an enterprise sales approach you're focusing 
a lot of your energy on many people inside one company and you're doing that with a few companies with a, a wider SMB approach, you're just trying to get to one person in each company and across lots of companies. And so if you think about that, that, that means different marketing channels, different sales cycle, um, et cetera. Um, now, having said that, as I mentioned earlier, everybody searches on Google. And so when you look at inbound, it can seem similar where someone searches, they find you, it ends up in a demo request or a free trial, and then there's a discussion. But, what, but that's where the similarity ends because after that point, the value-based selling is where the SMB process ends. They'll see value and buy. Whereas with the enterprise, value-based selling is the very, very beginning. They'll see value and then they'll spend nine months going through procurement and convincing people who are blockers and demanding features and integrations and all this stuff that has nothing to do with whether your product solves their problem. It's got to do with them managing risk and managing procurement and SLAs and making sure that you can service them at the level that that they expect or just politics and bullshit, which can be part of enterprise selling as well. Yeah, we'll definitely, definitely talk about that. That's a, that's a hot topic to, uh, to go through. And, and I know Greg, you got, uh, you got a couple, you, you got a rule of, of knowing at least three people per account. Is that, is that right? We're looking to get at least three champions per account. So I think um, to Omer's point, there's, especially within an enterprise, there's many, there's a number of different challenges, but the versatility of those companies um, is very different. Where in SMB, you know, they can pivot their processes to work within your product if it can help your business. Um, whereas an enterprise, it's vice versa, is you need to build your product around their processes. Um, so there's always the customizations that need to go into that. But that means you've got to know so many different people at that organization. So what I try to look at to have my team do from a sales perspective is to look at uh, 10 stakeholders, you know, choose your top three to five companies, um, customers out there, identify 10 stakeholders that fit the profile of, you know, a user, um, an influencer, a buyer and, a pro- and an approver, you know, somebody in that C-suite that's there. And to make sure that you start to get your messaging out in front of all those different people. Of that, you want to have you know, at least you know, three to four of them understand who you are and the value you can provide. And if you can get two to three champions per account, and that can be at the buyer level and the user level, um, that's where you start to get sticky and to expand. It also protects you because there is always turnover um, in enterprises. So if your reliance on one point of contact um, and that person leaves or moves into a different role, you need to start that whole process. Um, so I think it's you know similar to anybody that's done any sort of rock climbing, always maintain three points of contact um, to make sure that you're secure. The same goes with, with enterprises and selling and maintaining relationships and cross-selling. So it's really, really important to not limit yourself. I like it. Um, Louisa, we talked about developing, marketing developing a good understanding of who they were going after. We talked about, you know, kind of where legion and demand gen come in and, and how there are certain uh, certain similarities, but there are certain differences as well. Where do you think the might of, of marketing comes in when it comes to enterprise uh, and, and closing enterprise customers, right? Making, positioning the company as an authority, you know, where, where do you see an organization should put their marketing effort in order to uh, influence 
enterprise deals. I think going back to Greg's point, I think it's really a, a joint effort between sales and marketing, like they need to work hand in glove. So while marketing does a lot of that heavy lifting, sort of at the early stages of really building the awareness, building demand, credibility for the brand, because that does make the, the sales rep's life a lot easier when he goes into or she into a particular account, um, because obviously that credibility is there. So it's easier to have that conversation. Um, but I think the, the marketing role is really at every stage of the bargain, at every stage of, of the different sales get in the sales stages, just depending on, again, how to strategically deploy marketing capabilities. So as we said at that beginning, yeah, it is about building the awareness and the demand for the solution. But then further in the sales funnel, it could be more around um, kind of trying to accelerate the deal, whether there's through more kind of strategic engagements with an account, whether it could be on a specific customized events or experiences, like I don't know, it could be a C-level engagement, uh, customer stories, um, or a specific piece of content and collateral. So that's where really the, the kind of the sales and marketing journey, I think it's just, yeah, it's continuous. Um, and it really depends on um, the, the journey and where marketing can be strategically deployed to, to support the sale. Yeah, I love that. So marketing job pretty much doesn't end, especially with enterprise, doesn't end with the acquisition. With the sale, correct. Yeah, or, or, or when the opportunity is generated, it also, you know, you can also leverage um, marketing throughout that pipeline until it That's becomes right. a customer um, and, and probably even after that. We, we, we touched on selling SMB and enterprise when we were talking about the marketing component. But let's talk about the mentality, the mentality of, of the salespeople who are a, a salesperson who is you, who's used to SMB and a salesperson who's used to, who's going to do enterprise. Omar, what are your thoughts on, on, on these differences in terms of, you know, do, do, does it do the trick to, to have the same salesperson who's been doing SMB and put them in enterprise and, and say, you know, fire? It's no, it, I mean, sometimes it's unavoidable if you don't know your market and you're a startup, um, but, but generally speaking, it should not be the same person. And in fact, when you're hiring in sales, one of the first, arguably the most important criterion is um, deal size, so capability at that deal size rather than do they know the industry, which is far less important. So if you're hiring a, a seller, um, you need to understand um, a couple of things really quickly. What's the sales motion and what's the deal size and segmentation? So in SMB, it's intensity of effort, it's velocity, okay? In, and, and you want someone who can do that, who can, who can have 30 calls a day and, and can, can sort of, you know, have that sort of intensity and grit. Um, but they don't necessarily have to be like a super, an amazing negotiator. They don't need to have like gravitas with the C-suite. That's not really what, what they need to have. Conversely, with an enterprise motion, it's um, a long cycle and you're doing few deals. And the way that those deals get done, as we've discussed, is through strategic selling, navigating through the, the people network inside that company um, and negotiating. And a lot of that negotiation has nothing to do with value-based selling. The demo is only like the first 10%. And so you need someone who is a negotiator, who is strategic, who can map out the org, who can understand the buying influences, all these, this terminology is not even relevant. In SMB, there's no buying influencer. There's like the person who owns 10 flower shops and they're either going to buy or not buy right? And you need to talk to a hundred of them a week. But in you're selling to Microsoft, 
they're going to be people who are not even visible to you who are going to block you for all sorts of reasons. There are going to be people who care about risk, who care about money, who care about security. They care about different things. And you need to like, basically they all need to be your best friend. They need to be advocates. And that's just a fundamentally different mentality. It's a different skill. They're arguably different professions, um, high volume selling versus high value selling. And so I think when you're growing a company, you need to understand really quickly what your motion is, who you're selling to, and then build a sales team that specializes in that type of selling. And there's one other point that I'd add, which is the vast majority of salespeople, whether they're selling to um, small or big businesses, doesn't matter what they're selling to, uh, expect to have a playbook. So they expect to come in and know what the playbook is. And when you're starting a business, which is relevant, I mean, I can speak for us as a startup, you do not have a playbook, you need to build one. And there's only a very small, very small uh, group of people who know how to build a playbook, Renaissance salespeople, people who know how to find the, to define the sales motion via experimentation and understand what works, what doesn't and what needs to change. Um, And they're very special people, um, but it's important to recognize that if you're starting out and you hire someone without that in mind, they're going to expect to be told what the sales process is. And if you don't have one, it's going to end in tears. So I just wanted to mention that as well. I love that. So it's not, uh, you know, i got a salesperson. Here you go, buddy. You you manage the rest. Um, Now, on that note, Greg, you have a saying, you say that in enterprise sales, you have to, you have to look for the signals, right? You got to extract the signals from, from, from all the data, which we've touched on a little bit, but you know, what do you mean by signals? What, 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 what are some of the important things to think about when, uh, when a salesperson is looking at an enterprise deal? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of different signals. So if you want to look at even starting from some of the, the marketing side of things. So, you know, ABM has really been around forever. People define, you know, who their ideal customer is based off of, you know, starting out with demographics. Uh, and then you pick your personas in there and you go after them. That's traditionally been, um, been ABM. So the challenge now is picking up the signals of which of those accounts um, do we define as in market. And pre-COVID, you know, some of those signals would be, like as Omer said earlier, showing up to an event. You know, if you've got three to four people um, that showed up to a conference that's, um, you know, showing a certain amount of different technologies, that is a pretty important signal that multiple people would have left the office um, to show up and to evaluate some vendors. You don't really have those signals now. So now you've got to start to look at some digital signals. So, you know, go to where your customers are spending time, where they're doing research online, especially in the enterprise space. As as Omer said, that's kind of where we play. We've got about 140 sites that provide um, buying cycle content to enterprises to help them understand, you know, what sort of cloud model do I deploy, public, private, hybrid. So picking up a signal that somebody has been on that site for a month, multiple buying team, that's a really good signal to then tell your sales team, hey, this is worth going to spend three months after these guys. But from a sales perspective, you're bringing it down to the individual level. Uh, you've got to be really smart about how you pay attention to those signals. And, you know, I think, it, again, it goes to, to Omir. It, it's a certain type of person that can pay attention to that. 
You know, it's, it's the people that are responding and willing to take an hour out of their day uh, with you. You know, if you get somebody to sit down and speak to you for an hour, that's a really important signal that there is a true pain point at that company. Um, and, and then seeing how they respond during that call with how they respond to questions and um, the answers that they give is really important. But other little signals can be, you know, if, if for example, you've got three people that showed up to this webcast um, from a startup, I would take that as a signal that these guys are trying to figure out how to sell into enterprises. And for Omer, that's probably somebody that they may want to go sell their solutions to to help them figure out how to hire. So paying attention to those signals as a sales rep, it's not what you're going to get from a velocity person who just moves, moves, moves. It's got to be somebody that kind of sits back from a strategic perspective and says, I saw this person posted these three things on LinkedIn recently. Why might they have been doing that behind the scenes? Um, here's a different way that I can potentially engage them. Uh, my marketing team said that four people looked at this piece of content in the last month. Maybe none of those individuals are the decision maker, um, quote unquote, you know, the VP title, the director title. But that would mean that somebody at that level is deploying resources to go and do some research. So I need to go and spend a lot of time giving them that information, giving them that advice. So a signal is not somebody that responds, to, comes to your website and asks for a demo. That's an easy signal. It's a list of subtle ones that I think companies, both marketing and sales, really need to pay attention to. And, and again, to, to what Omar said, define a playbook around how to engage people based off of those signals. Um, because that's really all you have to go on now is, is behavioral data. And it is all over the place, but you've got to figure out which behaviors actually are triggering signals that you can then sell around. And that's going to depend on what industry you're in, um, what your product is, and really who your customers are. But it's much more than, you know, people raising their hand and, and saying, um, you know, I do want to have a demo. There's a lot of different things you can go down into. It would be specific to, um, you know, like I said, products and things like that. Those, Shaheen, can, can, I, can I just jump yeah. in with one additional point on this topic? Yeah, go for it. I, I, I don't know if apologies if you were going to get to this, but the other, there's another side to this, which is compensation, um, critically important. And, and it's not about, not about how much, although enterprise sellers can tell you now it's more, but that's not the point. The point is that in sales, compensation drives behavior. Now, now it's not 100% of, of the driver. People are, you know, they're human beings. They respond to a lot of other things, but it is a, more important than, than in any other profession. It plays a more important role. And, and so when you're thinking about compensation, you want to make sure that you're aligning um, rewards with performance and, and performance in terms of the objectives of the company. So if you think about what we've, um, Greg and I both said around one, the SMB game is a velocity game. The enterprise game is a strategic game. You can't compensate people in, it's probably a completely different comp structure uh, because mm -hmm. one is like clipping, you're doing, trying to do many deals a week. And the other one, you might wait nine months to do one deal. Uh, and, and so you need to think about what and what, how do you want people to behave in those different motions and not drive the wrong behavior. If you compensate them in the wrong way, they're going to go after the wrong targets. They're going to try and close things at the wrong pace. And it ends up being, um, it, it ends up sort of clashing. People aren't doing the things that you want them to do. 
And that comes back to having the maturity as a company and understanding of what are you going after? What's the sales motion and incentivizing people to deliver that, including marketing, by the way, in the, in the right way so that all the whole company, you know, all the ships are sailing in the same direction. I just want, I, I just want to mention that because I, I can't think of anything in sales without thinking about compensation. It, it just all goes together. In, That's a really good point. Yeah. And to add to that, and, and um, uh, Sir Lubitsa can expand on this as well, is compensation with those KPIs. Um, in, in examples of it where I've seen companies fall down is people are compensated with their base and their commissions and different bonus structures and things. But if somebody's on a monthly target, um, that is a velocity target. You are never going to sell quality deals to an enterprise. If you're giving your team monthly targets, it needs to be quarterly at the very least, because those are typically what the buy cycles are. So if you're tasking sales reps, you know, say you need to hit this benchmark of revenue every month, but you're tasking them to sell into enterprises where the buy cycles are 90 days, sometimes beyond that, um, those things are not going to align and they're going to drive the wrong behaviors. And similar to marketing, because we, our customers predominantly are our marketers and they know that they're selling into large enterprises. And oftentimes marketers will say, hey, I just need to deliver, you know, 300 leads by the end of this month um, from these particular companies that may or may not be in market. Oh, also these particular titles on that. And the only reason for that is that sales is asking them to hit these benchmarks. And that detracts from what I've seen, the strategic side where marketers know that they need to inform, advise, surround buying teams with content at different levels, but then they have to just kind of get wedge in their KPIs to deliver that. And it really causes friction between the outcome you're trying to look for is a win with an enterprise, but the outputs that you're getting are just a bunch of names that come into a spreadsheet CRM that never convert. Um, yeah. So as much as that's important for sales, I'm sure Lubitsa can, can talk about that from a, a marketing perspective. I'd love, your, I'd love that. Yeah, marketing, you know, marketing hits its targets and, and goes from there. So Lubitsa, what, what are your thoughts? What do you think? Yeah, yeah I think that's a, a really interesting one. And maybe just to go back to kind of the mentality, the profile of the, what I call the whale hunter, um, the, the kind of the big, the big enterprise deals, um, I mean, it is all about really positioning as a, as a business consultant um, at that level because you're not selling a product, you're not selling on features and benefits. Um, so you're really selling uh, kind of a business solution. So uh, again, just going back to that need for a really specific individual to be successful at enterprise sales level. Um, and again, I've seen time and time again where maybe our regular kind of sales rep is deployed, um, but that really impacts the size of the deal because um, they're happy to just get the foot in the door and sell something. And I think that goes back to hitting those monthly targets uh, versus really an enterprise deal that can take months or even years to, to get across the line. And so that's where that, that whole kind of specialist skill set and sales specialization really comes into play. I think from a, a marketing and kind of a, a revenue, I guess a revenue metrics perspective, I think that really goes back to well, what is kind of marketing compensated on and, and how is marketing effectiveness measured? And I think if it is just based on those kind of vanity, what I call vanity metrics, MQLs, or what is a lead then, I think that really diminishes kind of the value of marketing. 
So it is really taking a more kind of a bigger picture view of marketing effectiveness and looking at more of um, attribution, impact on revenue, um, engagement, um, really accelerating through through the pipeline. So it's a lot broader um, yeah, KPIs than just you know being measured on well the MQL side of things, which I think can be blindsiding but a lot of for a lot of marketers because it is around the short term. Or, or yeah, short-term wins, um, but it is also looking, taking a step back and, and looking at the bigger picture as well. Yeah, we always joke about marketing hitting hitting its uh, retweet targets. But um, look, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take some I'm gonna look at the questions, but I want to come back, Lubita, because I think mm-hmm. you know, and, and really talk about uh, SDRs and what you've done at Hexagon and, and yep. you know how that sits because I think that ties in to compensation that ties into personality and who, who's doing what. But let's just quickly take a few questions. Matthew, Ben, would content marketing be the standout for enterprise sales enablement? What are you, what are you, Lubica, what, what are your thoughts on that? I think content marketing is key, right? I think it's kind of one of the strategies deployed, but it also has to be really tailored and targeted for a specific enterprise account. And that's where, again, we fall back on the whole need for an um, account-based marketing strategy. Um, and again, effective content and storytelling where this part of that is, is critical. So um, yes, content is key, really. Yeah, I think, I think one of the things that I see people thinking about content is a lot of times they're thinking SEO, especially, you know, even if they're talking in enterprise. And even though that's, you know, that's important, I think that plays a secondary role. And in, in, in SMB market, SEO is probably a big, big play, but an enterprise is is probably having very customized content for accounts. It could, it could be like a report specifically right. designed for one account. Is that, you know, is that something that you see as well or, or uh, you? Yeah, you- definitely customize reports, um, even customize assessment tools. Um, so different tools used for sales enablement, but also really used to, again, engage, um, engage a contact and engage a lead. Um, so I think, yeah, from that perspective, also just bring in more, Kind of customer stories, so a broader kind of content strategy around. Well, how do we engage this particular account? What are the individuals uh, within this account? What are their pain points and drivers? And again, take that information and working very closely with the sales team to again um, develop the right messaging and then the right content in the back of that to to target that particular account. Uh, but I think maybe back to the point around kind of needing really a multi-pronged approach in enterprise sales. So while the account-based is great and obviously the content is key, um, I think it's important not to neglect other aspects um, and kind of other tactics within, within the marketing. And as you said, like SEO or SEM is one of them. So Google, um, and I've got a great kind of anecdote from, from my um, career history where we're promoting one of a new solution that was brought into, into the market from enterprise solution from the US, really well-established. Um, and we did quite a bit of marketing around it to, again, raise awareness of the solution. Um, and then we deployed the SDR team to do prospecting. And um, they were calling it, again, one of the ideal customer profile identified accounts. Um, and unfortunately, we were too late to the game. So they already narrowed down with um, two preferred suppliers um, who are competitors. And they said, sorry, guys, you just missed out because when we were searching for a solution like that, we couldn't find you. So hence why it's really important not to neglect search um, you know, and paid advertising, all of that, because it all has a role to play. Gotcha. That sucks. That sucks. Okay. All right. Um, I'm going to take uh, one more uh, one more question before we jump back in and, and, uh, and carry on, because I definitely want to cover the SDR stuff. Um, now, as lunches and dining is out, how are you socially engaging enterprise customers? 
Uh, Greg, you want to take that one? Yeah, sure. Um, so it, it is challenging that, you know, lunches and dining is out, but, you know, I know a lot of the, the key topic of this was for startups to sell into enterprises. And as, as Omer was talking about earlier, um, you know, funding is an issue when you're a smaller company trying to sell into these larger companies. So I would almost look at that as a positive is it's leveled the playing field where there's not enterprise sales reps that can, you know, hire a boat for a day and take out some key customers or take them to, you know, a footy match into a luxury box. Um, that's kind of gone. So it's, it's leveled the playing fields where now you really just need to show value and help people understand how you can make their job and their organization better, smarter, faster, more efficient. So ways that, ways that we've been doing that is, you know, we're, we host a lot of these small webcasts um, like this. So just general best practices on digital marketing, uh, digital selling. Um, we'll do one-to-one um, -one workshops with some of our customers over Zoom because everybody has weekly, monthly stand-up meetings, whether they're on marketing teams, selling teams, and people are getting tired of coming up with content for that, to be honest. So if you can come in as a third party and have a compelling presentation that's going to provide value and not be a sales pitch, that's a great way to do it. Um, other ways that we've been trying to cut through the noise because phone is really challenging to get people um, to pick that up while they're at home, they're on mobiles, they've got kids around, people are screaming more than ever, is we've been using a lot more small clips of video selling. So it helps you to personalize a lot. So I had my whole team do this on Friday where typically we have a one-hour session where it's nothing but outbounds to set meetings up. It's a volume play to set meetings for the following week. This week, I said, pick two accounts um, and create a short four to five minute personalized video that either highlights something that they're a campaign that they're working with us on or an offering that we have that's relevant for them and provide some value. So everybody recorded these, which was uncomfortable for the team to do so. And you send a little screenshot of that. And it's different and it's personal. And we got responses from people from really large organizations we've never heard from before that say, hey, we really appreciate that. We've shared it with other folks internally. So, you know, I, I don't think it's necessarily the socializing with customers right now. It's the ability to connect and to personalize with them right now and give them quality information in an efficient way uh, that, that doesn't require them to take two hours out for a demo um, or to schedule time when it's uncomfortable for them. So really, really simple tactics like that have worked, um, have worked well. And then, you know, the last thing on that, I know there's a number of companies that um, do some cool things where you can send, you know, an Uber Eats gift card to somebody and schedule some time. Um, some of those things are helpful, but I think that at this point, people are just trying to find ways to do their job quickly and spend as little time in front of a, a camera as possible. That's, that's very true. That's very true. Um, so, uh, so being, so getting a boat is on, uh, on target tech targets, uh, eight, the sales plays, huh? That's it's not, not a, it's not a, we're, we're value-based. We're not, you know, that's... we're not trying to wine and dine. <laughs> and we like to think that the solutions speak for themselves. So, um, uh, you know, well, we, we sounds spend good. On smart people and good resources. Sounds good. But it sounds like it's fun to be a tech target customer. Um, Okay, I want to come come talk about SDRs. I really want to cover this one, and uh, and what is you know 
where do they come in to play when it comes to uh, uh, enterprise sale? Now, one of the most one of the unique things about, uh, especially here in Australia, about Hexagon is that you have sales development reps who are not under sales but under marketing, right? And they That's report right. to report to marketing. What is the importance of S sales development reps, SDRs in enterprise sales, because sometimes people argue that in enterprise sales, um, you really need that AE. The AE is the account executive is going to be taking most of the uh, responsibility. They have a couple of accounts, but uh, I'd love to hear from your side in terms of what your experience is. I know you have a lot of experience here. Yeah, definitely. When it comes to uh, SDRs and enterprise deals. Yeah, yeah. So I think it really boils down to a you know, how do you define the role of an SDR? And that's where sales specialization really comes into play. Um, so I know there's a lot of kind of different ways that people or companies are using SDRs. So some of them might be really deployed more as the, the inbound. So just kind of picking up the phone and following up on a lead or qualifying. Whereas for us, SDRs are really deployed in a, in a much more strategic manner. So they're what I would call more of a lead development rep. Um, so they're there, they work the enterprise accounts, um, really prospecting deep into accounts and work closely with the AE um, to basically make the AE's job a lot easier. Um, so they'll sit down with an AE, really map out the account and then look at, and I think that's where, as we said, um, enterprise-based selling is account-based selling and you're selling into multiple personas or kind of multiple people involved in the buying decision. So uh, getting into an account just through one person is not enough. Um, and that's where the SDRs can really help um, again, uncover those needs and, and have conversations at different levels of, of the organization and really help un uncover kind of the needs and the pain points and the challenges that a particular prospect is facing as it relates to a particular process area or technology area, depending on uh, what solution you're trying to position. Um, so they're, they're really deploying um, and kind of building, starting to build that relationship um, and that credibility. Uh, with with the accounts um, and then really laying relaying back that information to the account executive uh, as that next step. Um, so their role is really to listen, um, to build up the needs profile, um, and to offer some level of qualification in terms of the ICP. So yeah, making sure that we are taking the right boxes from a, a kind of a customer profile perspective, but also that this candidate is at the right level of maturity. Um, and again, for you know for a solution to be deployed and to have a further conversation. Um, and they're really carrying that information into the AE um, to then set up a, a follow-up an appointment for the AE to then have a more of a deep dive and a more of a business level conversation. Um, so it's not, not talking product, not talking any demos that could be maybe third or fourth meeting, depending on again, how the conversation evolves, but they are really deployed there as part of a needs assessment and an Intel gathering um, team to then rally that back into, um, into the sales organization and to really help position um, the AE as a more of a strategic um, consultant rather than just someone that's there to, to talk about a product. Right, selling something. Omar, what are your thoughts on SDRs? I, I think it depends on, I don't think there are any rules. I think it depends on what you're trying to do. So, you know, are you, is outbound a channel, right? So if outbound is a channel, then you should build um, an SDR machine. And there's a book called Predictable Revenue, which talks about that in great detail. And, and um, in that book, they had the, the very strong view is that you should separate outbound and inbound completely from each other. So if you, if you can get outbound to work, and by outbound, I mean um, uh, prospecting, so email and it's usually email calling and messaging, LinkedIn or other platforms together in a sequence, 
Um, you need a person to do that. Uh, you need a toolkit, a stack to do that, whether that's sales loft or outreach IO or, or mix max or whatever for, for email. And then it'll connect into HubSpot or Salesforce and you'll typically buy uh, data. So zoom info discovery org, they're now the same thing so that you know who to go after. And that's what an SDR will do. Now, on the other hand, there's no rule that says that you have to have SDRs. If you're selling, you might be developing your leads through, mainly inbound or through field marketing like conferences or content marketing or something else. And your customers may not respond well to traditional outbound. So, and I'll be looking at the questions in the Q and a, and my answer to every single question is the same. It depends. It depends. So, so every single question is like, should I, do I have this? Should I have that? There's no rule. Every company sells differently. It depends on, your customers are your customers on LinkedIn? Maybe do that. You know, are you selling shampoo or software? They're all, it, it really depends. So you have to figure out what works for you now. And there's no rule that cold calling works or doesn't work. It, of course it can work. It, it's proven. There are companies that generate billions in revenue and it's all outbound, but conversely with some buyers, it won't work at all. Um, and so I wish there was a playbook, then it would be really easy. But unfortunately, every company has to figure out for itself what is the right motion. So, I, you know, I think what I would say about SDRs is that one of the things that kind of bothers me about the whole kind of sales industry is the traditional career path is you come out of college, you do an SDR role for 12 to 18 months, then you become a closer. And or AE account exec, which is a closer, but actually they're fundamentally different skills. So there are people who are amazing prospectors and they're not good closers. And there are people who are really good closers and they're crap prospectors. And I don't necessarily see that you have to like that. That is the progression. There are some people who can be very senior, very well-paid prospectors Um, I know I'm sort of speaking here against, you know, I'm going to sort of um, draw the wrath of salespeople the world over, but the reality is- Greg unmuted, mate. Greg unmuted. I was going to say, I I agree with you 100%. Um, You know, I've got got SDRs rolling into me. I've got our field account execs rolling into me, which those handle net new, more of the SMB sales. And I've got our enterprise account reps that roll into me. And it 100% is dependent on- who that person is. It has nothing to do with their experience. It has to do with their natural skill set. Um, where are they willing to learn? What do they enjoy? You know, we have uh, we have a guy that is a phenomenal um, SDR FAE rep, and he wants to stay in that because he enjoys the hunts. He enjoys the clothes. We have others that don't like to make fifty calls a day um, that aren't comfortable being told no um, over a hundred times every single week. Um, they want to spend three hours researching in accounts. They want to understand who their customers are, what their buying process is. You know, they're the analytical people that just kind of get stuck into work um, and are happy to, um, frankly, have less interaction than some of the outbound. So, Omer, I, I right. couldn't agree. And, and, with- and we, we had a person that, who was a phenomenal prospector, outperformed everybody. In, he would get appointments with really big companies and we lost him because he wanted to be a closer and that's that was just it he saw that as like a status thing and he just wasn't a close like that's just, that wasn't his strength he w- wasn't really 
as polished and he wasn't as sort of good a negotiator and he'd get flustered. It just wasn't, but he was an amazing, he could get people to pick up the phone and he could get them to listen and take a meeting. And that is an amazing skill that's very valuable. So I think, you know, it comes back to what is the right process, playing people to their strengths. Um, you know, we do not have SDRs. I, I can tell you, for, for example, we do not have SDRs. We do very little outbound and we sell to very, very big companies. And that's not because we don't believe in SDRs. We believe in what works with our customers. If we were able to get um, outbound working in a certain way, we would have 10 SDRs. It's just not, but there are other things that work better for us that cost less and get better results. So we invest in them. It's as simple as that. There's no kind of Bible around this. It's just, that's what we've tried a bunch of things. We ruled some of them out. They may work eventually, but they'll take longer. And we know that like every time we get, we get an opportunity to tell our story um, at, at some form of event, we get enterprise customers, for example. So let's invest in that. Um, and, and, and that's what, that, that is the, the key. And this is why I talked earlier about Renaissance salespeople, like building a playbook. You need someone and they're probably going to be a closer. It's probably one closer and one marketing person in the beginning together to figure out what works and by trying things and by surprise, surprise, talking to customers. And when you talk to customers, you'll work out what they respond to and you can then build a process around that. I think that's the most important thing. I don't think there's any way of predicting in advance whether you need a team of SDRs or not, maybe. Um, But what you need first is to know, can you sell and get someone to pay you money? And how are you going to find them? Get one of those, then get five of those and 10 of those. And then maybe you'll have a sense of what these people respond to. Are they on LinkedIn? Do they want to have many conversations? Do they want to buy credit card? You'll start to understand those kind of things. Fantastic. Yeah, I have to say, Fantastic. I totally agree yeah. with that. And it's, it's not a one size fits all, but it really is well what works for your business. I know for us, when we were starting up this whole initiative around SDRs, it was really a pilot project to say, well, okay, you know, we've tried this um, outsourcing SDRs and tried an outsource model and that didn't work. Um, I've had the model work elsewhere, um, again, in a similar kind of construction tech space. Um, so we deployed it really with a, a small team of three um, and scaled and it worked quite well. Um, and then the model went global. Um, so I think, yeah, it just depends on, um, again, the organization and, and really what um, I think as Omar was saying and, and Greg, what, what customers respond to. And, and, and it also that. depends on like the category in the product. So yeah. I always like to talk about toaster ovens as a, yeah. an example of like something really well known. So if you're selling a better toaster oven, you know, then SDRs is a really good bet because you call people and you say, listen, you know that toaster oven you got? I got a better one and it's cheaper. Okay. But if you're selling what we do, which people have no, they don't even understand, it's like a change in behavior, then there needs to be a process of education. And so we don't want to interrupt their lunch because the pitch is not as simple. So what we need to do is educate them. And so our sales process is a consultative sales process where we have a discussion and we, we, you know, we use content, we use video, we have discussions, we, we, we do a challenger sale, you know, we do different things to, and, and then they hear about it from someone they trust, so it's referrals. But if you're selling something really well-known, really well, like a, a pink skateboard, you know, you can have an ad for marketing and then you can have someone pick up the phone or send an email. It's under, value is immediately obvious. So I think, it, again, it comes back to this understanding of like, 
what are you selling and what's the psychology of the person who you're trying to sell to? And that then dictates what is the process and the people that you need. Fantastic. All right. Okay. We got quite, we got, we got like six minutes. All right. And we have, we have, we have a good number of questions. Okay. So I'm going to smash through these questions and whoever's going to answer them, you got 10 maximum 15 seconds to go through this. Okay. So we've got to keep it short and clean. Um, let's go with Mehdi. Uh, his question is as a new start with very limited resources and employees, how can we engage in marketing to enterprise, especially of you, if you have tens of old, well-established competitors in the market. Omar, you want to give this a, or Lubitsa, you want to give this a quick go? So I think for a small team, it's really around, well, how can you disrupt the status quo? Because uh, with a lot of these um, established players and you being a new, the new, the new kid on the block, it's around, well, you know, how can you offer and find that niche that they're not offering? Uh, so part of that is obviously through building credibility, through thought leadership, but I, th- I think for me, and this is maybe something that we didn't touch on, is the power of brand and the power of brand storytelling. And that's something that's really neglected a lot in B2B because there's a lot of kind of investment in legion and demand gen, but really having an effective brand that could come through and the brand story can really help differentiate in a, in a very uh, saturated and, and a very congested market. Thank you. Go niche and, 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 build and work on brand. Um, I would say so we're going to go rapid uh, to, to jump in on that. Um, I would say have a very clean website that tells your story. And similar to what Omer said, if you've got a bunch of legacy companies that are well-known, use that to your advantage. You have to quickly explain how you differentiate, um, why you're more valuable, why you can move quicker and you're more nimble. Have a simple website that explains that. Create a few pieces of content that buyers can consume on their own that doesn't require them to sit down with your team because frankly you haven't uh, you haven't earned that right with your brand yet so reach out to people through linkedin uh, find some people to to send emails to and find some really targeted spaces online where you can serve some of that content to them but if you're simple uh, if you allow them to educate themselves on their own and you can quickly differentiate between what everybody knows to be a standard and how you're different and why you're worth a conversation. Um, you know, I think you can do that from uh, some guerrilla uh, grassroots type marketing and some simple sales outreach. Guerrilla marketing it is. Thank you very much. Okay. Adi uh, is asking, what sort of things do you think marketing can do to support sales team that keep pushing out the deals, deals close date? Yeah, I would say have your sales reps ask uh, better questions. Um, if, the, if the close date is pushing out, um, that means that they're not ready to buy. So either they haven't conveyed the value or it's not really an opportunity. So I think they just need to ask questions. You know, why are you not moving ahead? Do we have a deadline? Did I miss something? Is it not the right time? Um, so I don't think that marketing is going to accelerate those if it's already a deal. Um, that's a sales thing. They need to better qualify and maybe they need to start over from a, a value building if they've missed that step. Fantastic. Okay. Uh, would you suggest separating enterprise sales teams and pipeline away from the SMB team? I think we answered this definitely separating those both from staffing perspective and on reporting and KPIs, as you mentioned. Yep, definitely separate that. As a startup, when you when you manage to get attention of an enterprise in your product, how the contract and legal matters could be managed from that point forward. This is a good point. I don't think we're going to get to it. I, I, I know like there is some really juicy stuff there that we can we can dig out. Um, 
Let's this be the, let this be the last question. Anyone wants to go have I'll, a go at this? Yeah, Honor. I think uh, two things. One, understand what big companies require, and they're very similar in terms of security, in terms of legal, and then understand what you're prepared to tolerate. And a good if you've taken investment, so asking investors or board members to help with that initially because they've done this type of thing before. So, for example, limiting liability to two times deal size. Um, getting security certification where like where ISO 27001 certified. There, there are similar things that come up again and again. Understand what they are. Otherwise, you'll embarrass yourself with big buyers. You'll, it'll be obvious that you're not ready and understand what they are and, and know the things that, that you need to have and then know which things you need to push, you can push back on reasonably. Um, and after a while, it becomes you know, 80% repetitive, 20% variability between customers. Thank you very much. Yes, embarrass yourself. Been there, done that. Okay. All right. On that note, thank you very much, everybody. I'm sorry we couldn't get to all the questions, uh, but make sure, make sure you sign up for our Slack channel, which is growthcolony.org slash Slack. You know, we have a lot of discussions there. So make sure you jump on our Slack channel and there are, there are a couple hundred people there that, uh, that we, can, we can converse and, and bring your questions over there as well and we can try to answer them. Amr, Lubitsa, Greg, thank you so much. This was a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. And thank you for jumping on. Thank you. Thanks everybody. Thank you very much. Hey, it's Alex again from X-Growth. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode. If you enjoyed it, we'd love it if you take a moment to rate us on Apple Podcasts. It would really help get the word out to other B2B professionals. If you're hungry for more B2B content, make sure to join our Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack, where we share the latest B2B news tactics, tips, and chat about problems we're facing in the B2B space and find solutions together. That's growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you in the next episode.